Today we're going to continue the discussion of wrong views from the puredhamma.net website. And we were in the middle of a discussion of Gandhaba and Paraloa, which means sort of the intermediate state between physical incarnation for humans and animals, which uh, I understand as uh, an astral condition in the astral body, which is, you know, still 3D times space or 3D space time times space um, blend. Uh, it's not so different, actually, than the hungry ghost in some ways, it seems, uh, where that is considered one of the two lower realms, but it's not a realm, it's really a state of mind in third density or lower astral. <clears throat> to to get clear on cosmology, I mean, I, I have a sense of my own, my I have a sense of of uh, of cosmology um, based on an integration of the raw material and uh, Buddhism, particularly uh, with a little bit of Alice Bailey theosophy um, cosmology, not not moral teachings or New World Order stuff uh, blended in there too. Uh, <clears throat> what's important to realize is that uh, a realm or a loka or a bhumi in Buddhism, there are three, triloka uh, means three realms or three loka, paraloa means paraloka, which means basically the beyond or intermediate loka or world. But the loka or bhumi you know, like uh, um, Arupa, uh, you know, the three that we've talked about in Buddhism, Kamaloka, uh, Rupa, which means form, Loka, and Arupa, Loka, means not form, realm, or Loka. These are actually defined in relation to the consciousness of the beings therein. And so Kamaloka, third density, um, physical, non-physical, is associated with kama. Kama means desire, and so it's the desire realm. But it's really the realm of beings who are significantly driven by material desire. And that's what this world is about, if you hadn't noticed, which is continual desiring uh, and a quite uh, significant um, lack of persistence uh, of all experience, not only objects are disintegrating, uh, you know, leave leave uh, milk out and it spoils or, or curdles, leave something in the wind and the water and eventually it's broken down. Um, this is an impermanence. Uh, not only is there this radical impermanence of um, physical objects as well as mental states, right? If you're angry, uh, you can't you can't hold it unless you keep amping it up, or any mental state is quite impermanent, <laughs> obviously and transitory. <clears throat> and um, the response that beings who are in this kamaloka have to the radical impermanence of objects and mental states is continual desire. Continual desire <clears throat> is the response to continual. A subtle disintegration of all experience. And this is something that, that Ra doesn't talk about, uh, 
but is uh, certainly in line with their deeper teaching about ontology or the nature of being, uh, particularly the comment, you're not living in a material universe, you are dancing thoughts. <laughs> so the integration of that pretty deep statement of ontology, ontology meaning the nature of being, being, uh, you know, you're not, this is not a material universe. We experience solidity, we experience, we have the experience of, of apparent substantiality, solidity, right? <clears throat> I can't put my hand through the table. Um, that's obviously solid in the experience of solid, although I can wave my hand through the air. But I still imagine or experience um, a material universe. Nevertheless, you know, Ra's saying, no, that's not quite true from a seven-dimensional perspective, from the perspective of the law of one, from a perspective of higher self or late sixth density. Uh, no, um, uh, you are dancing thoughts. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> uh, dancing meaning vibrating thoughts, meaning a mental projection. Um, this, this type of um, teaching fits perfectly with the Buddhist view of maya or illusion. Uh, and the illusory nature of experience, of physical objects and mental states, that illusory nature or dreamlike quality is not well appreciated here in third density. And thus beings have great um, desire to try to hold and keep something. Uh, and the mind, you know, so we see busy mind, people who their mind is jumping from thought to thought and thoughts just spontaneously uh, keep pumping out in the mind. Uh, that at some level is a form of uh, desire or a result of um, unquenched, unfulfilled desire in mind or deep personal psychology. Likewise, um, <clears throat> you know, our... our the way we live our life. Um, if we're cold, we put on clothing. When we're hot, we take it off. We take a shower. We do this, that, that, the other thing. Beings are doing things like that in fourth density. Beings are doing things like that with continual choice in the astral plane. Once we get out of the astral plane and we get out of third density, then it seems to me when we're talking about fourth and fifth and sixth density, four, five, six, seven, we're talking about rupa loka, rupa loka where <clears throat> instead of beings driven by desire, um, beings are experiencing the relative persistence of objects and mind states. Like samadhi I've talked about, which where there can be a... Samadhi, one translation, is calm abiding, meaning sort of resting. Resting in what? Resting in an experience of relatively greater persistence of mind states. Resting in a sense um, uh, of a greater stability in mind or experience is, is, has been stabilized. That's why it's resting. <laughs> That's why it's called abiding. <clears throat> That's not normally the state of mind, uh, which goes from object to object, desire to, to desire. Now, what does that have to do with the discussion of right view, wrong view? Well, it has a lot to do with it, actually. These kinds of wrong views, the ten major wrong views, the page that we started with, um, which was uh, also for, from Pure Dhamma, Micha Diti, Gandhava, and the Sotapanna stage, and we're going to go through it all. We're going to finish the page on Gandhava today. Gandhava, in this case, is not heavenly messenger, which is a class of astral beings, but rather 
used for human and animal interbirth phase, the phase between incarnation of human and animal. Uh, one of the wrong views, Michaditi, the ten wrong views, that is presented in a famous sutra called the Great Forty, Mahachatarisaka, Chattarisaka. Uh, one of the ten views is uh, the view that Paraloka, Paraloa, the world of Gandaba and those beings and everything like that doesn't exist. Uh, it's only in third density that such wrong views exist. Animals don't have view. They live by instinct, by nature. They're uh, unconsciously at one. And fourth density and fifth density, sixth density beings are no longer veiled. So they know the score. They know as much as they can know at that dimensional level of perception without a veil, uh, which for the positive is quite significant, even in fourth density. They know, you know, about God or intelligent design or uh, a intelligent, benevolent creator and, and plan. Uh, they know many, many, many things and also have all sorts of powers of mind. But these wrong views don't exist out of third density. Animals second don't get it. Um, beings in fourth uh, dimension and up don't have veil and don't get confused. They, they know the score, even those on the negative path uh, have some sense of what they're rejecting. And so, <clears throat> uh, in this human realm, particularly with a good understanding from Ra's teaching about the veil and the logoic plan, we can understand why... Um, there's so much disagreement about what's what, <laughs> disagreement about reality. The big problem is that when people reject the idea of afterlife or reincarnation or multi-incarnational karmic consequence, it's multi-incarnational karmic consequentiality, to be a real jerk and put it into hard-ass words, multi-dimensional, meaning between dimensions, uh, Multidimensional uh, karmic, meaning uh, a a law um, that is a, a cosmic law, universal law that's associated with uh, the nature of matter and energy itself. Like every action has an equal and opposite reaction, or David Hume and the billiard balls on the table. Uh, there's action reaction. There is um, uh, cause effect. There are laws in place, and every action um, has some effect somewhere, <laughs> is causal. And so, multi-incarnational karmic consequentiality, meaning that there really are consequences. When people um, <clears throat> live the materialist life, live in the materialist life, which is um, associated with all the wrong views, um, and has some sense that no... There's no afterlife. There's no intermediate stage between incarnations. There's no reincarnation. Because there's no proof, it's not true, goes the view. Because of that, people have a very, very, very skewed um, understanding of, of human life. And um, I was talking to somebody, my local, um, my local what? He makes a sort of Chinese... Uh, <clears throat> pancake, my local Chinese pancake maker. I don't know if it's sort of pancake, but it's more like a sandwich, like uh, something. He's a nice guy. And, uh, you know, I just talked to him about uh, afterlife and uh, things like that. And 
He just doesn't want to go there. His English is okay. People don't want to go there. They're scared. But um, I can tap into a real well of sorrow or fear I could feel um, when the topic of this life will end is, is broached, opened. Because the topic of this life will end for them means I will end. <clears throat> I will be destroyed. I is destructible and will be destroyed. And that's very bitter. Um, and it also happens to be untrue. And so I want <clears throat> to uh, swing freely here. Last time we were on the page... Uh, hidden world of Gandaba, Netherworld, and <clears throat> there's the link. We ended at uh, point number 10. Basically, this is um, a rundown of some major themes associated with the fact, you know, or the view that indeed there's afterlife. Human goes into a state called Gandaba in the Buddhist system, which in this case simply means intermediate being intermediate, uh, interbirth being. How about that? Interbirth being. Beingness, a human animal beingness in between births. Why we call it netherworld um, <clears throat> is actually a, a, a remnant of uh, what I think is one of the one of the very few areas of Buddhism that I think is mistaken. Which is this <clears throat> a, a, a what I think is a sort of simplistic understanding of afterlife process. To think, and, and so the association with an interbirth, you know, human in the interbirth phase between incarnation, <clears throat> to say that in that being is ne of necessity in the netherworld <clears throat> is, is actually mistaken because we know from Astral City, which I think is a completely credible report, Chico Xavier's book and the movie, No Solar, Our Home, and many other people who've talked about you know, uh, astral, I mean, Michael Newton's discussion, and even <clears throat> silly movies like Defending Your Life, which still has some truth to it, and and many other presentations um, over the years where people have, have gone to the other side, and you don't have a situation of, of endless beings wandering uh, in search of a womb. <clears throat> you have technology and structures on the astral plane, there are levels of the astral plane. So to call it netherworld is a mistake. Nevertheless, it comes naturally from this, I think, rather uh, limited, pessimistic view of the after-death process. Last time we ended with a point 10, and this is just the author of the page, the um, Sri Lankan uh, scholar, uh, explaining his perspectives on Gandaba. Number, I'll, I'll start with 9. He says, a Gandaba changes with time, just like everything else. In fact, this is a Buddhist view. It's even possible that if a Gandaba properly receives merits from a giving or dana mentioned in number five above, he or she can, can gain a deva or brahma bhava and be born instantly in such a realm. <clears throat> and so, uh, one thing to bear in mind is the Buddhist view of reincarnation uh, is... Uh, gives no permanence. <clears throat> there's no there's no permanent um, relocation uh, for beings. 
there is temporary inhabitation or experience uh, of a certain realm with a certain appropriate body form. Uh, and so again, the, the Buddhist model also does not really uh, explain the mechanics of beings uh, evolving or, or achieving complete and perfect enlightenment from higher dimensions as a liftoff point. So there is some discussion, obviously, of monks uh, who achieve certain levels of uh, awakening and don't have to come back to the human birth and achieve their awakening from the higher. But <clears throat> the, 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 the deficiency in the Buddhist approach, if I can be so humble to say, uh, is that everything is sort of um, framed in accord with being a monk or being a layman. You're either a monk or a layman. The monk, in some sense, is seen to be more uh, eligible for higher dimensional rebirth or higher dimensional uh, relocation and not need to come back to earth as a, a, the stage of a non-returner is seen to be more likely to do that than a, than a non-monk or a layman and there's some kind of basic sense that um, evolution pers evolution works if you're a monk but not much otherwise <laughs> And that doesn't apply to wanderers very well. Uh, wanderers in the Buddhist system, again, are very akin to bodhisattva, which is a concept that was really developed in Mahayana. We don't see it much in the Theravada. It's there, but not much. And so it gets really complicated. But um, the Buddhist view here, <clears throat> not only is, is that beings, human beings exist in an intermediate state between births, uh, but can go to a higher level um, after the temporary phase between lives is over and all sorts of different um, incarnational placement is possible and so it's a very fluid situation uh, and he contrasts that so he's saying that you know a person on the other side can properly receive merit and this was talked about in the uh, Tirukanda Kanda, um, Hungry Shades Sutta, where the idea is if you send love and light or give food in a ritual way uh, and offerings in a formal way to people, to ancestors, to relatives who've died, uh, it de very much can help them. <laughs> Which is, um, Ra talks about this also. And uh, the notion that beings, some beings, you see, not all, but some beings on the other side after death haven't really disengaged fully from the yellow ray shell. And that's very similar to Hungry Ghost, which here he's distinguishing from Gandaba, but the write-up of Gandaba looks a whole lot like that phase of, of uh, earthbound spirit, Hungry Ghost, Ghost, where a person hasn't really disengaged adequately from the yellow ray shell or physicality um, and can't experience higher levels of the astral plane. Anyway, you can see it's very complicated, uh, but to say that all humans after they die go into this state is wrong, to me, clearly wrong. And wanderers have to be real careful with this kind of teaching also because... Um, 
some wanderers will will nearly instantaneously go back to the higher dimension uh, from which they came, depending on their their karma and conditions. So he just goes on. On the other hand, another human Gandaba, meaning human after death, who's not quite freed of physicality, who had been engaged in behavior appropriate for an animal in a previous life, could cultivate these dogs. Shankara Samkara is the fourth skanda, tendencies of mind. Can cultivate them as a Gandaba, slowly transform into a dog Gandaba while in Paraloa or the intermediate stage. Um, this, again, uh, inter dimensional uh, descent from human to animal seems to be uh, considered possible, not common, but it seems in, in the Buddhist presentation more likely than in the raw material presentation. So again, we're comparing cosmological uh, views of the after-death process, and I think that's very helpful. But I don't really uh, think that many human souls go into an animal body uh, very much at all because there are many karmic um, alleviations and karmic remedies possible for somebody who's, who is a, a, a brute, a brutish, like an animal, in their behavior other than having to incarnate in an animal body. <laughs> there are many karmic um, remedia remediation uh, techniques the higher self has for future incarnational conditions than being reborn as an animal. Finally, he goes on, when we think about these possibilities, we realize how complex life is and why we need to be mindful of the consequences of our actions. Not only that, we need to avoid doing things mechanically and understand the reasons behind even meritorious actions like almsgiving. I have seen many almsgivings that are conducted in a party-like atmosphere, one needs to do it with the proper mindset, with the Gandabas in mind. And um, he's Sri Lankan, and in Sri Lanka and other Buddhist Southeast Asian countries, uh, after death, people indeed uh, organize monks for a formal ritual almsgiving to the monks, or through the monks, for the monks, going through to the, the ancestors who died or the relatives who died. So funerary, funerary rites. And um, <clears throat> he's saying that uh, some of them occur in party-like atmospheres. So, you know, the East is degenerated, too, of course. <laughs> Just like the degenerate West, we have the degenerate East. Um, and uh, people who believe that building massive Buddha statues is great merit um, and worthy f use of their funds rather than feed the poor or something better than that. Uh, I think that's not the case. But... <clears throat> the the one of the more subtle consequences of spiritual view, right view, right view that yeah, there's karmic law, yeah, there are multiple dimensions, yeah, yeah, there's moral consequence of your behavior, yeah, sincere giving has positive consequence, sincere giving in gratitude to having been given truly has positive consequence, all the right views and right moral activities have positive consequence. Uh, there are many benefits, <laughs> many subtle derivatives of um, a true spiritual view that's in accord with reality. Uh, one of them is this recognition of how complex life is. My father's house has many mansions, said Yeshua. 
And another positive consequence that's much more subtle is the intrinsic sensitization, a, a natural sensitization um, that we need to be careful <laughs> that consequence has, that action has consequence. You know, you really can screw yourself up if you haven't noticed. And if you blame the world, you're mistaken. Blame yourself. And uh, <clears throat> uh, he's saying we need to be mindful of consequences of our actions. Um, 150% you need to <laughs> consider this point. Uh, it's a serious, serious point. And the materialist worldview, the, the existential nihilist who says there is no uh, world after this, there is no life beyond the physical, ultimately need not be mindful of consequences of their actions, other than whether the consequences support their goals in the short-term material perspective. They only need to care whether their, con whether their actions lead them in the here and now to what they desire in the here and now and support them towards their next desire in the here and now. But um, longer-term consequences are irrelevant. There are, there are no longer-term consequences than the physical life, according to their view. And um, <clears throat> when Crowley said, um, you know, do what thou wilt is the whole of the law, and lots of little boys and girls follow right along, they really are saying there is no law pertaining to beyond the physical. There is no beyond the physical. There is no para loka, beyond a world. Para gate gate para gate. There is no para world, no world beyond. Indeed, they believe that. Therefore, all you need to know is do what you want. There'll be consequences, but they're only related to this lifetime. And if you keep manipulating and working with them, you can get what you want. Do what you will. That's all. So they believe. And so there's no mindfulness of longer-term consequences. Uh, but if you have a spiritual view, <laughs> you will realize that um, you're making your eternal future now. And the body you come in with, the mind you come in with, the quality of your parents the quality of uh, educational opportunity, the quality of um, opportunities for learning, not just formally, but informally, in terms of who you meet and what they know and what they can, where, how exactly they can help you by influencing you towards greater learning. This is all karmically determined, and merit is a big deal. And the heart of the positive path is giving. The heart of the positive way of interaction with others is giving dana. That's the heart of positive polarization serves to other giving raw said things come through not to the positive server and that is the critical the criticality of 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 giving uh, for continued polarization on the positive path but the giving doesn't necessarily mean uh, salvation army giving physical giving there there's giving offering sharing um at all levels of being <laughs> Number 10, I will finish this page. <laughs> Maybe that's all we'll do for today. <clears throat> Lots of um, ra reflections and finishing this page, but I think some, some of it's interesting. Number 10, another interesting bit of deduction, is he goes on, is how the concept of soul or atma, like anatta or atman, came to be established by ancient Hindu yogis. So we're not talking Buddhism in this. 
he said, even to attain higher anarya jhanas, above the fourth jhana, the formless trances in meditation, that enables one to acquire the ability to see previous lives, one has to have that gati of cultivating jhanas through recent human lives. Therefore, such a yogi with powerful abhinya powers, magical powers, can be expected to have had many recent human lives. <clears throat> this is a Buddhist theory, and I think it's correct also that uh, one who has a magical power has the karmic roots supporting the manifestation of that magical power. And everybody has their specialty. Some people, and, and it doesn't have to be magical, it can be uh, quasi-magical or pre-magical. <laughs> like a person who has a good feel of the mind of others. He can, a good judge of character. Well, that person who's a good judge of character is on their way to the full-blown abhinya, magical power of knowing the mind of others, fully knowing the mind of others. And a person who has some uh, ability to heal or help by their presence, I, I came and sat next to her and I felt better immediately. That's a kind of, um, you know, pranic, uh, radiatory, healing, magical ability some people have. Some people take to Reiki and, and other... Uh, forms of energy transmission healing uh, very naturally and they do great some people have natural tendency uh, as a good teacher or explainer of uh, truth and reality uh, all of these powers magical or not pre-magical and full-blown magical um, are manifest because of karmic basis the karmic basis is having had recent human lives and having uh, cultivated those abilities, more or less, into the magical or not quite, either way. Uh, and so, likewise, the ability to see previous human lives, some people have a sense of that. I mean, it's very possible to have a direct sense of that. It's very possible to simply know, not need to think, but simply know. Many things, anything, can simply be known without having to think. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm not a Buddha. But... Um, I, I have no doubt that uh, the knowers, sages, <laughs> um, and higher knowing functions of mind don't require thought. The being simply knows. And Gautama talked about this many times. On, uh, this is, there is a quote that's not really from, it may be from the raw material or maybe from my own dream, which is something like... Um, the act of knowing takes place in time and space, but the fact, of, uh, the act of uh, uh, an expression of knowledge, takes place in time and space, but the fact of knowing um, is timeless. And so, um, we live ultimately in a in timelessness, or our being exists in the timeless, but our human doing and uh, comprehension and expression occurs in time and space. So there's a certain, I mean, the higher levels of our being, six, seven density, right, Atman, and up, um, is at one now. At one now is beyond conceptual, the need for conceptual production to know. And so it's like your, your, you know, your head is uh, locked into the sun, while your feet walk freely on the ground. And so, where the head, um, the head 
um, snugly fit into the sun or the solar orb of your head uh, at one in all as all um, expresses in the dualistic way of mind body and 3d uh, conceptual you know words and uh, action and so uh, there's you know the human and the divine we are a, a, a composite so anyway he goes on, thus it is possible that such yogis would have been born hundreds of times, born human, hundreds of times, with Gandhava states in between. When they looked at their previous lives, they could see that every time they died, a Gandhava came out, and sooner or later took hold of another human body. I guess they didn't see any astral cities. Thus it is that, thus it is this Gandhava that they thought was the indestructible, undestructible Atma or soul talking about Hindu yogis, they could look back hundreds of lives and always see that they were born as human again and again. Thus, in the Hindu scripture, Bhagavad Gita, getting hold of a new body is compared to discarding an old suit and wearing a new suit. As far as those yogis could see, it was the same Gandhava that came back in a different physical appearance. Thus, for them, it appeared that there was an unchanging entity coming back in a different form, this is why it is called reincarnation. Re meaning again, incarne in means going in, carne in the meat. Uh, back again in the meat. Hello, I'm here, back again in the meat. And so, uh, not to be confused with carne asada, which is yummy in the burrito. Uh, but, and nobody makes a good burrito in Taiwan, alas, alas. But, one can think. Now, uh, compared to Hindu yogis who have who may well have this same ability to see uh, the cycle of birth and death or beings dying going out of body coming back in um, it's an interesting thing were there no astral cities 2500 years ago were there astral cities these guys couldn't see are there no astral cities and Chico Xavier is deluded what do you think Michael Newton is deluded. Chico Xavier is deluded. Everybody who talked about, you know, astral um, institutions and and uh, places of uh, com you know commerce really not commerce but uh, social significant uh, social structure activity uh, were they all deluded, or are the monks and the yogis missing something? Well, you can figure it out yourself, but. Indeed, you can say that their view, the Buddhist Hindu view of reincarnation, while the, the Buddhist view is that it's not the same Gandhava um, changes in its consciousness and its being are not recognized. So where the Hindu yogi sees the same Gandhava or human spirit going out of body, coming back in many times, the Buddhist would know or see that it's not quite the same. Therefore, there is no Atman there. But they're both seeing that cycle, that cycling process of, of beings going out of bodies and coming back in. No doubt they saw that. I have no doubt that they saw that. Um, so, uh, all sorts of magical powers are very available. Uh, but they didn't see, what, astral cities? <laughs> I guess not. So, that doesn't mean they don't exist. It just means that 
they weren't privy to what was going on, or uh, such cities didn't exist in the same way 2,500 years ago, which is very reasonable and an interesting point. Uh, maybe it would freak people out to go from the uh, mud hut villages of 2,500 years ago everywhere, more or less, to uh, sparkling high-tech, uh, you know, Elysium-like astral cities. Maybe that was not really uh, offered by the Confederation and the Angelics at that time. Anyway, um, 11, the final point on the page. Uh, Our world is much more complex than we can ever imagine. The Buddha said that only a Buddha can truly comprehend the complexity of this world. And the phrase in the Pali is loka visaya achinteya. For a, new, for a normal human, i.e. a normal human by himself, cannot grasp the true nature to the full extent, clearly. And that's another <clears throat> matter, is um, there are very few people who are enamored of the reality that they know nearly nothing. I'm enamored of it. I like this. Yes, indeed, I know nearly nothing. And I don't think that I'm a great practitioner or anything at all. Absolutely not. And... and People who think they are hot, hot stuff, uh, and and have a big sense of self, they are the most deluded and small, uh, constricted and and prunish of all, the prunish egotists, like a prune, shriveled, and wrinkled, mind, and yet you know, <laughs> weaker and dumber people follow them, people with less uh, appreciation of themselves people with uh, less mental faculty development look up to the big nose, the big noses of any race, not just one race, meaning the big third chakra blocked, um, big sense of self folks. They run this world uh, generally into the ground, but uh, uh, they believe (laughs) it's just, I mean, you know, humanity is really quite hopeless to me. I mean, I look on and I watch the evolving drama or circus or tragic tragedy. Um, And I really think um, (laughs) uh, most of these humans need many more 25,000 year cycles, probably a dozen. Many, many of them need a dozen cycles before they can pull themselves out. They have some very tangled wrong views. But one of the achinteyas, one of the inconceivables, this is the same as um, karma as an achinteya, or cosmology as an achinteya, the un- imponderables, inconceivables, unknowables in Buddhist theory, uh, include this world, the loka. Loka, you can't know this world fully, and that's cosmology, but it's not, it's um, the nature of the realm um, is really in its fullness and full um, energy, matter, intentional design and function, way, way beyond human knowing. And and only a seven-dimensional being will know the seven dimensions. And so he goes on to close, even though we do not need to comprehend everything, and we cannot, it is beneficial to learn these concepts, at least to some extent, and he goes on, if one can comprehend anicca, meaning impermanence, these in-depth analyses are not needed. But, especially these days, humans do not have the ability to grasp anicca right away, 
So, learning Dhamma and appreciating the unmatched knowledge of the Buddha gives one the confidence to persevere in one's efforts, one can say. Uh, obviously, we can't comprehend everything, nor will we die fully purified of our distortions and wrong views. I mean, we all have some wrong views, you know, and or we have distorted beliefs. Distorted beliefs are not quite the same as these ten wrong views. Distorted beliefs like, um, I... Uh, what? Um, I can't feel good um, when everybody, you know, when many people don't like me. Or um, I need uh, I need my, my parents to love me or something. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty normal, reasonable, but actually it's unnecessary. So, I mean, <laughs> if one is clear or well, that's it. You know, that's independent. So, even though um, we may not fall into these uh, philosophical wrong views, which is really our forms of materialism and existential nihilism, moral nihilism, materialist nihilistic materialism, or materialist nihilism, those are the true. That's the true heart basis of a wrong view. We still will die with lots of wrong view or lots of mistaken um, assumptions. We all die uh, unfinished, of course, meaning we, we have much work to do, and we're not anywhere near the end of the path, actually. Uh, so that's a fine, that's normal. Meanwhile, um, it's understood in Buddhism critical to understand anicca, um, impermanence. And of the big three, the three marks, anicca, anatta, dukkha, uh, it's not that hard for people to get a sense of dukkha because there's a lot of suffering in life but dukkha is much deeper teaching than that it's not that hard um, I mean it, it's it seems I guess it's harder it doesn't seem that hard to me but it seems harder for others or it's not that easy for people to get anicca or impermanence these days, because people are really drunk. I mean, the media is basically a drug dealer. <laughs> the media is is a pusher man. You know, the media is is a is a drug pusher, and pushes the drugs of uh, ignorance and um, materialist nihilism, nihilist materialism. And so, uh, <laughs> many people are seriously confused and seriously damaged in mental function uh, ability to comprehend and think to, to comprehend by thinking many many are damaged now increasingly and and others are growing and getting it clearly but it is unfortunately or to me a bit strange yes a lot of people can't get impermanence that um, what I'm longing for the happiness that I'm longing for from securing an object, something I want, and even when I get it, um, it ain't going to last forever. It, the, the happiness will go away, and always goes away. Most people don't get that. Uh, and again, deeper levels of the understanding of the three marks um, take even more time and effort or slowly reveal themselves uh, and that's another matter, so we can go deeper and deeper. 
uh, it's just to be known that in Buddhism, uh, a reflection on contemplation of comprehension, getting a real heart acknowledgement, a heart knowing of the three marks is really important. Impermanence, insubstantiality, anatta, and and stressfulness or dukkha, dissatisfactoriness. Uh, that, that leads to dispassionate detachment. That leads to further insight as to the nature of reality and then eventually release. So it's a very big deal. And it's not that the world of the Gandhaba is such a big thing. It's true. <laughs> Humans go on and there's an interbirth phase. Yeah. Uh, what's critical is actually to increasingly, you know, discover for yourself. <laughs> it doesn't matter what I say. Discover for yourself what to me is a reality, the reality that this physical life is bounded by non-physical existence. Before we came in and after we leave, uh, we had quite rich non-physical experience. Rich, deep, meaningful, important, significant, uh, and we will again. Before we were born, we had, after we die, we will have again. Uh, we're going back to where we're from in different ways, in many ways. And uh, if that isn't certain to you, which it isn't for most people, um, reflect on it and see what you think. Reflect on it and see what you find. <laughs> what you find is what you'll later think. But finding it is critical. And, you know, frankly, there are very few teachers' uh, teachings that, that stay explicit on this. And uh, <clears throat> why is that such a big deal? Why, you know, uh, why, why did we even, why did I fall into a page or two weeks of discussion of Gandhava uh, and Paralawa? It's just one wrong view, the view that uh, such doesn't exist. But actually, the reality of uh, interbirth phase and human beings continuing after the death of the physical is very critical to a mature appreciation of human life and a mature um, perspective on the importance of being careful <laughs> because you know for us uh, 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 for us uh, golden elixir drinkers We'll say, uh, what you eat tonight, you drink tomorrow. But what you do today, you're going to be dealing with in the next life. Um, if it's that significant, in, in many cases. And many of the parameters of our present life that we completely don't understand. You know, why was I born in this gender body? Why do I have particular health issues, but not others? Why do I have a certain particular relationship history or set of tendencies? We have no idea about this. Why? Psychology can't help much. They can look into childhood, but not further. Um, doctors can't help much. They can go to genetics, but not the basis or the cause of genetics. Why do I have such? Why do we have such genetics? They'll just say, it just happens. They don't know anything. Uh, Knowing that, knowing, knowing that that it's possible to answer those questions and comprehend these things, and knowing that it's lawful 
it's it's lawful that any one person has particular health issues and not others. Any one person has chosen a particular gender body with its, its attendant challenges and opportunities. Knowing that that's law, that's lawfully achieved. All of those these parameters of our life that we don't comprehend have been lawfully established karmically by past life uh, activity and pre-programmed catalyst. As Ross said, it's programmed catalyst in accord with karma, in accord with higher self-understanding of what's been achieved and what's not been achieved and what's uh, on on slate, on menu for this lifetime. Um, these considerations are very... Um, very uh, important and very helpful to make deep peace with self, to much deeper level of peace with self and peace with our life. But they obviously are completely unavailable to the materialists and the nihilists. Uh, and, and just that bigger perspective is why I think it's important to look into this discussion of uh, Paraloa and uh, the Gandhava phase. Now, um, from that, we still have uh, a bit of time, and I just want to present what I'm going to do next time, which is um, a corollary of the ten wrong views, which is called the ten immoral actions. So you have uh, michaditi, or wrong views, and then you have uh, dasa akusala akusala uh, akusala means um, not kusala kusala means um, I think uh, beneficial action uh, while akusala means not beneficial action dasa is ten micha is wrong so it's you know ten wrong views are dasa micha diti the ten immoral actions are dasa, ten, a, kusala, kusala, ten immoral actions. And um, there is, um, you know, the, the person who falls into the wrong views that we may say are moral nihilism, existential nihilism, materialism, um, ends up naturally doing what in Buddhism would be called more immoral actions. And immoral actions are done with body, speech, and mind. The, the ten are divided into three in accord with body, speech, and mind. Uh, karmically, as far as I know, um, activities of speech and, speech and body, meaning what you physically do and how you speak, has a much more significant karmic effect. Uh, uh, but I just want to, and this is really... Uh, this is really hardcore, nitty-gritty Buddhist uh, analysis of um, mind, and, mind and mind states and the consequences of mind states and the consequences of the expression of mind states, right? So there's the mind states. There are consequences to mind states or uh, mind states that lead to others. Uh, and... Uh, there's the sequence by which mind evolves. So soul evolution is not only mind evolution, but the critical portion of soul evolution is mind evolution. Right? That's why Ross said mind-body-spirit complex, and why the cycle of seven 
in the tarot, the cycle of 21 to 22, uh, begins with the tarot cards of mind, seven of mind, then body, then spirit. Mind healing and initiation, transformation of mind, precedes the deeper work of body and spirit. And there's a very close relationship between view and behavior. Uh, what, how we see the world and how we see our life um, deeply influences how we live it. And so we can say there's a sequence from worldview to self-view to personal values to life expression to karmic basis uh, laid down, established by our mind-body-spirit expression. And so, first we have worldview. Cosmology, you know, materialist or spiritualist, nihilist or not. The worldview then is associated with a self-view. Some people might say you have a self-view before you have a worldview. But I think that actually the self is defined in relation to the environment. And the definition of self is um, relational uh, or, or derivative in many ways to the conception of the environment, and that's called worldview, which is either materialist or spiritualist, meaning uh, acknowledging the reality of more than physical or considering that only the physical is all there is. So worldview, I think, is, is quite is quite determinative of self-view. Uh, much view of self changes when you realize there's reincarnation and there's a higher self and there's seven-dimensional beingness going on here. So there's worldview, there's self-view. The self-view uh, establishes self-values, personal values. Personal values come out of the view of world and view of self. Personal values... Um, basically is the scale of what I consider important and less important, critical or irrelevant. And that, in many ways, feeds into how we express in body, speech, and mind, or is a significant aspect of mind expression or mind condition, which then the conditions of mind go toward or the basis of the expression by speech and body physical behavior. So expression by sp expression of speech and physical behavior um, comes naturally out of mind states. The mind states very much come out of um, our, our values and uh, in association with our view of self and view of world. So worldview, self-view, personal values, mind conditions, mind states, and then the expression of them in speech and behavior. That seems a reasonable, a reasonable sequence to me. And so in, in the middle there, we've got view. And so we've got you know, worldview and self-view. And so Mitsuditi, 10 wrong views, those 10 wrong views, which are particularly about world, um, existential questions, but they are also related to um, the va moral valuation, and so they're um, 
the, the ten wrong views as the anatomy of materialism uh, break down to moral and existential. Moral about quite good and bad, right and wrong, and consequentials, the consequence, consequences of that. And existential about, you know, the nature of existence, what is, um, in the internal, in the external, particularly, in environmental. And these views of environment and self um, and the nature of reality or existence of the environment in which we're living and the nature of the self that uh, lives amidst it, it seems, uh, very much influence how we live our life, <laughs> as I said. And how we live our life is really a matter of, uh, are you going to help yourself or are you hurting yourself? Everybody thinks they're helping themselves, and lots of people end up unwell persistently, right? <laughs> Everybody, everybody's a joker, <laughs> or everybody's uh, taking good care of themselves, right? Everybody's doing pretty well, right? I do my life, I live my life, you know, I got mine, Jack, keep your hands off of my stack, said Pink Floyd. And so, everybody's doing their own thing, and most people will say, um, leave me alone, let me live my life or make my decisions based on my values, but a lot of people get into a lot of trouble, or a lot of people have a lot of suffering, or chronic troubles with relationship, or health, or money, or career interpersonal in groups. Lots of people have lots of problems, based on, as the consequences of how they're living their life, particularly uh, speech and behavior, right? Choices, physical choices made, choices made associated with physical behavior, actions of body and speech, mainly in the interpersonal, social, but also in the solitary, health conditions, uh, mental states, you know, solitary mental states. So everybody's their own boss and everybody's doing their own thing uh, and lots of people are not well, persistently. Not all, some people are very well, but there are a lot of people who are not well, persistently. Um, and um, in general, I would say most people don't realize how they co-created or they co-created those, those situations. But there is a direct linkage, and that's, that's why I want to talk about 10 immoral actions. This is the expression of mind states in body. But it's also actually, um, there, there are other, the 10 immoral acts, immoral acts, sounds very uh, judgmental, huh? These uh, unskillful acts, or unhelpful, or self-harmful acts, are done with mind and speech and body. And so it isn't uh, only body and speech, it's body, speech, and mind, but we can see how mind states or tendencies, uh, particularly, actually, the three poisons, <laughs> right? Uh, grasping, aversion, and ignorance. And that in fact, those are the three basic immoral acts done with the mind uh, from those three poison roots, come out as speech and physical behavior. And that then leads to moral consequences um, after death and for your next lifetime, and that's in many ways the basis of um, much of the these unexamined un, un, uh, um, existential parameters of a personal life, like the gender of my body, 
the nature of my family. <clears throat> uh, basic opportunities um, in early life uh, regarding education or socialization, um, who we met along the way as well, and and basic tendencies. Uh, he not he likes studying. He likes keeping his room room clean. Uh, he always seems to get into fights at school. Uh, he's quiet and withdrawn. He she whatever. So. These these are the result. These are you know, what could be called structural parameters of the life, of the mind, and tendency, of um, body incarnative conditions, of uh, family environmental, of of you know opportunities environmental environmental opportunities so on. Dot dot dot. These are made by this balance of moral immoral or uh, love wisdom versus blockage based activity in past lives and so um, you live in accord with how you see worldview self-view how you see how you think is the basis of how you act in speech and behavior physical action which determines um, ultimately parameters uh, and major conditions of this life and the future and so that's the linkage between wrong view and wrong or unhelpful action uh, wrong views lead to self-harmful action right view leads to right uh, self self-helping self-supportive and and of benefit to others action particularly in speech and uh, behavior so next time we're going to walk into that the 10 immoral actions and see the linkage to 10 wrong views uh, basically between view and uh, self-expression in the world by body, speech, and mind. And so I hope this has been helpful, certainly quite subtle and deep. Uh, please take good care of yourself. We'll continue next time. See you then, and good night.